Hey girl, welcome to Kinsco World, the online playground for boss babe entrepreneurs like you. Here in this realm, we're all about bringing your dream business to life. Let's get to it. Hi guys, I am here with Roberto Oyos of Throwboy, this super cool company that if you haven't heard about it, I'm excited for you guys to check it out because I know you'll be just as obsessed as I am. Hi Roberto, how are you? Really good, how are you? I'm so good. You are the first like male on Kinsco World. Did you <laughs> that, like realize the the pressure? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure at all. Yeah, I actually thought that this afternoon. I was like, because I've been binging your podcast, uh-huh. which I love, by the way. Thank you so much. Uh, and I was like, oh, I think I might be the first guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just has never like, ha- I mean, obviously, like I market mostly to women and so it just has never happened before but now you like are you're the first man boss bay so how does it feel really good uh (laughs) obviously (laughs) okay good well tell us just like a little bit about your company you've been in business for a long time right so I just want to hear about your journey from like the first time you created a pillow to now (laughs) sure um so I started my company back in 2008 um, that started by kind of a weird fluke. I made some pillows that, um, I hand sewed some pillows that looked like computer icons mm-hmm. and I gave them to a girl that I was dating at the time as just kind of like a fun Christmas gift. Like we were both kind of geeky and we worked at tech companies. And so I gave her these pillows, didn't think much of it, just thought it was cool. And her company ended up blogging about it. And then it went viral and it crashed my website, which had photos. <laughs> oh my <up>. gosh. That's <laughs> so, crazy. Yeah. And this was like kind of the beginning of like the social internet. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, they just got kind of like spread all over the place. And I still was kind of like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> like, that's cool. But I didn't think of it as like a, a business opportunity. But um, a friend of mine was more of an entrepreneur and, and he kind of pulled me aside. He's like, dude, this would be a really good business like a designer pillow company, you know, no one's, no one's doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and the more I thought about it, I was like, that is really dope. Like we make pillows kind of inspired by what people love. And in this case it was technology. And uh, so I kind of just hit the ground running. Like I found some friends that could design a website for me. Cause this is back in the day when it would take like months to design yeah. a website <laughs> instead of like minutes. So uh put together a website, um, like an e-commerce website. And then, uh, just to get things rolling, I ended up sewing everything myself when I started. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) So I would actually like take the orders and then, um, cut out all the fabric, sew everything, package everything. Um, and like I said, this was at the start of like social media. So like Facebook had just opened up to like Mm non-students and like Twitter had just started. And so I got on that wave really early and and realized that I could really market myself that way and my company that way. And it was unique and I would like give it to now it's normal to give it to influencers, but Mm -hmm. that was like a new thing at the time. Um, So I had a lot of like people willing to talk about it just completely for free. And, um, yeah, it, it grew and grew and like our fan base really grew and people really liked seeing the kind of the behind the, I call it behind the scenes. <laughs> so people <laughs> like seeing that. Uh, and 
Yeah, and then fast forward to to some of the other products we released. We were the original emoji pillows, so probably That's some so of creepy. your people have seen that. Yeah, I feel like everybody's seen them. They're like at Walmart, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we were the original ones, and then they kind of like got knocked off by like everybody under the sun, and mm-hmm. that's its own kind of story, but... Um, but yeah, today we're located in Seattle, Washington, my hometown. Uh, we have a warehouse and we do all the shipping out of here and we run our e-commerce site, throwboy.com. And um, yeah, that's the little nutshell of that's how so I started. That's so awesome. It's yeah. like crazy to think of, is it crazy for you to think of like 10 years ago? That feels so long. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's funny. I was just unpacking some of my original hand-sewn pillows and I was decorating my office with them oh my gosh and I was just like oh wow like it really takes me back and then I was like yeah. oh my god this was so annoying to sew this. <laughs> <laughs> like some of the designs were yeah. really really involved but um it's been a lot of fun like the whole time I mean there's definitely been like ups and downs and um and now I feel like I'm able to help other entrepreneurs because it's not all just roses, you know, there's parts where you're going to take a dip and things you're going to have to sort of reboot along the way. And um, that's kind of one of my new goals is kind of helping people with their dreams of like creating product based businesses. Yeah, I'm so excited to like, later get into all the Kickstarter stuff, because I know you've like killed it at that. But I do want to hear like, tell me about how it felt when companies started ripping off your work because that's I think something that happens in any sort of company when you start getting like viral enough China finds out about it exactly yeah um excuse me yeah I um that happened about three years ago so emoji pillows was like something that I developed um and you know emojis were a thing but they weren't really in popular culture yet Mm -hmm. and so they were almost sort of a techie culture so I I started making them and I was like oh this is a really great idea and then they just sort of exploded and then uh pretty soon after I'd say like a year into where we were the go-to the only place you could get this product they started showing up all over the place, like in mall kiosks and at Walmart and at the dollar store and like everywhere <laughs> you could look. And uh, every single day, Kenzie, I would get uh, texts from friends and family that would be like, hey, I saw your pillows here. Oh hey, I my saw your gosh. And just like this like <laughs> constant like Chinese water torture of, like, every day. And I was like, for a while, I was sort of... Um, I don't know, I guess taking the high road, I was like, yeah, but ours are better. We're going to differentiate ourselves. Like ours are better. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, the more that it got saturated in the market, the more it was really almost impossible to differentiate what we did. And then I had to take a step back and be like, I'm not the emoji pillow company. And I don't want people to think that. So, and, and I felt like I had a lot more things that I wanted to do because I set up my company to sort of like be a reflection of what was going on. So I was like, I don't want to do these anymore. Mm-hmm. But during the time it felt um, one, it really did feel, you know, crappy to be like, Oh yeah, I took all this time and I invested all this money and I developed yeah. this product. And, you know, we have like big name stores like Bloomingdale's carrying our product. But then because you can get them at freaking Rite Aid, they're like, Oh, actually we don't want them anymore. You know, Um, but it's a very unique experience to have that happen. Um, It's, it's like, and it's also sort of like 
because it's unique, not a lot of people really have any empathy for you. You know, they're just kind of like, yeah, cool, whatever. You invented the poop pillow. Like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and which is, it is like silly and it's in, it's wrapped up in this kind of like silly story. But at the same time, it, it uh, is kind of like a serious thing. Cause you're like, well, yeah, but it is my like livelihood. Yeah. Here. yeah. Um, but yeah. I, and it took me a little while to sort of uh, release that. and. I think when you do something you think is really great and it comes from a, like a pure place, it's hard to um, distance yourself from it being like a personal effect that people are ripping you off, you know? Oh, totally. Um, but I do think that there are still opportunities to like be like, okay, yeah, but I'm going to do this my way and I'm going to build my fan base my way so that people are going to know, like, I'm still going to be able to keep selling my thing. But I think in my case, it was just, it just blew up. It was so, it was like so common and you can mm-hmm. still find them today. And there's yeah. plenty of people that if I walked up to five people, I'd be like, have you ever seen emoji pillows? It'd be like two out of three people would be like, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I, it was too hard to differentiate. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's not worth it. Cause we spent a lot of money trying to fight legally to do that. And I was like, done. Yeah. Like I just was so And it's just like it. the worst energy to be putting yeah. out, like fighting against that. Oh, completely. Yeah. And then uh, I actually gave a talk about this a couple, um, like a month ago, and um, it was sort of like a TED talk. Mm. And I realized that I had not really been creative in two years, just because Mm. of that, like constant battling of trying to protect, you know, my quote unquote, best idea. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, if anyone's listening to that has this going on, like, you have to sort of audit yourself and not go like, so deep into like fight mode, you know, because Mm -hmm. you're probably going to have so many cool ideas that you can develop. But, you know, don't be dumb, too. Don't just be like, oh, well, I'm the idea place and everyone rips me off and that's totally <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. you have to have a balance somewhere. But um, No, but was, I do think there's, there's like, a, a lot of power in realizing that you can come up with better ideas than that. Like, you'll always be one step ahead of whatever they're doing. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, um, actually, even when I, very, when I first, first started, I think maybe not even a year into uh, the business, I had uh, somebody make like a competing style company and they were like, uh, they were like trying to team up with me. They were like, Oh, isn't it cool? Like we were inspired by you and like we were doing the exact same thing as you. And I was like, um, I kind of ignored it. And then um, I remember talking to my grandma who was the one that taught me how to sew at a young age. And she was like, <laughs> she was also an entrepreneur and um she never worked for anyone like really well maybe like once but really she was all entrepreneurial and um that's, awesome. that's I think where I got it from and she's like you know um copycats they like easy you know mm-hmm. so they're never they're always going to be that steps behind because they're trying to get in and get out you know mm-hmm. so you can't obsess over that person that's like just sees it as like a quick money making opportunity when you're actually building a real brand and a like a lasting company, you know? Mm -hmm. That's so true. I've never thought of it like that. (laughs) So tell me once you like exploded, okay. In the very beginning, Mm -hmm. what was that process like? Like, so then you started producing stuff on your own. What, you know, how did you go from sewing on your own to having like a super successful company? 
just that Certainly. beginning stage, you know, I feel like a lot of my listeners are at that point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was pretty grassroots. I mean, I didn't have any capital, really. I didn't have any, any um, working capital, any like one that wanted to invest in my weird pillow company <laughs> idea, you know, and I didn't really know that world of investing or any of that. So I, I was just, um, did it really, really simply. I took uh, orders. And then on my website, it said takes, I think it was like three to six weeks to ship the thing because <laughs> we had to make them. Yeah. And, uh, and I always framed it as this is, uh, this is a business. This is a company. Uh, I'd say we, we, you know, like I wouldn't say I, and, uh, I didn't want it to seem like it's this kitschy Etsy thing, you know, <laughs> like I always wanted it to be like, yeah, this is sort of a temporary solution and that at some point it's all going to be made in a factory and it's going to be done this way because I never wanted to just sew, you know, I'm not like, yeah. a, you know, I respect the hell out of that. You know, I think it's so cool. Like if people make their own stuff and make their own jewelry or make their own whatever clothes, I think that's freaking amazing, but it's not really what I wanted to do. I knew I, it wouldn't sustain. So anyway, when I started, I uh, literally just would take people's, you know, order money through like PayPal, uh, through my website, and then I would um, start cutting out fabric. Like I, I got fabric from like Joanne Fabric. Like I would get fabric. <laughs> like, Were you even making any money like at that point? It just seems like with the time and like, you know, like how were you even making any money? I was making money like. I think because our margins were decent, you know, the whole time. But definitely, if you count my time, (laughs) I was (laughs) not really factoring that in when I was very when I was first first starting. I Uh just knew that it was the way to like get off the ground because there was a lot of abstractions back then to actually get factories to make anything. Like now, it's a lot easier, and I think I'm going to teach how to do that. But um, but yeah, I definitely put in a lot of hours with just like sewing. And I think though, looking back on it, I built brand loyalty through that. You know, mm. I built a lot of brand loyalty. I, built a, I, I was able to become the face of my company. I had a lot of people that still with pride tell me that they have these like handmade pillows and stuff. No, that's awesome. I, I don't think that's something that you could really replace by going like, well, yeah, but like how much were you really actually making at the time? Because like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was no completely way. sustaining my life, you know, like I was, yeah. I was living off of it. I didn't have any other side jobs at all. Oh, like, you didn't? Oh, uh, no. Mm-mm. From the, from the point that you started, were you like all in or what was, did yeah, you yeah. Quit after I, it happened or you were like, I'm starting this and I'm going to do it? I, uh, I worked out. So when the viral thing happened, I took about a year where I was still working uh, for the company that I was working for. I was working at the Apple store back then. Okay. Um, and like very uh, fitting with your brand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was working my regular job and I had like a year, like an incubation period where I was working on this. I was coming up with the brand. I was coming up with the name. I was like learning to sew and design better. And then when I was like ready to do it, I just quit Apple and started doing Throwboy and then I never did anything since then. That's freaking amazing. <laughs> That's so cool. And it's like part of, I, I feel like it's a really cool part of the story, even to people who don't have the original, you know, like to hear that, even the photo you posted on the Instagram, like 
a couple of days ago where you're like holding a sewing machine. I think even new followers, that's like endearing to people. They want to hear about, you know, the beginning stages where it wasn't perfect. Yeah, I, I fully try, I, I try my best to really just show that side of things because I, I know that there's always going to be these new fans, new followers that didn't know that and they don't and they all have a different entry mm-hmm. point you know mm-hmm. like and I respect that I think that's really cool because it's like if you're in a band into a band or something like you might get into them like you know five albums in but maybe you want to go back and you mm-hmm. want to know like what they were like when they started so I try to offer that you know whether it's in stories or whether it's in some of my posts um and because it is a unique piece of my business like you know there's plenty of companies that are like successful but they the founder isn't like in the picture as much, you know, but like, mm-hmm. I think that in my experience, I always like to know a little bit more. Like I was a big Steve jobs fan, you know, during the Apple like rise and stuff. And I think that, um, it's like your brand, you know, people want to know who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they don't like these faceless brands, you know? Yeah. And it does. I mean, it's that whole brand loyalty thing. Like, people will get bored of companies, but if they like know you and have a connection to you, they will be there forever. Yeah, totally. So do you have like employees? How many employees do you have? Um, I have three right now. Um, So I have, I have somebody that does social media and email. And then I have people that uh, will do the order fulfillment for me. Awesome. When did you hire your first employee? Um, the well the second batch uh well if I go back really far I had sewing employees when I first started yeah so like I started maybe about six months into when I first started throw boy I realized this was too much work for me and I hired two people to do sewing uh when we transitioned away from that I hired two people uh that were like kind of my uh one was social media the other one was sort of like my um COO and then when I relocated to um, Seattle uh, about a year ago, I uh, hired again. So yeah, it's always been sort of like, at one point I tried to make the company like really remote, like remote working. And I mm-hmm. was, I didn't really want to have an office. I didn't want to have a, my own warehouse. And then when I really did, uh, when I worked that way for about two years, I realized it wasn't worth it. And I was, um, disconnecting too much from the company and I didn't know what was going on and I and I did not like not knowing what was going on in my own warehouse so Mm -hmm. I just decided you know what if I'm gonna if I'm gonna start fresh and I'm gonna get rid of the emoji pillows I'm gonna like kind of do a clean break from Mm -hmm. that warehouse and so I got my own warehouse and now it's it's much nicer because you can do fun stuff like you know, add fun things in everybody's package, you know, and you can do all these things that you would not really be able to do efficiently with trying to outsource every single little piece of your business. So yeah. that's one thing I learned sort of by doing it. Um, yeah, but that's kind of the structure right now. That's cool. It's still like a pretty lean team though for like, you know, having your own like warehouse and everything. It is. Yeah. And um I think my my bigger vision is to really grow and sort of have something for everyone. You know, I really want to have like us be the go-to place for like a cool pillow or a cool mm. home decor. Um, and right now I'm sort of just trying to tackle like specific niches in those. Like mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of sort of tech-based stuff. But um, 
but my bigger goal is to grow it. And I, and like I said, when I relocated, I wanted to like kind of wipe the slate clean. It was like 10 years in, I was like, okay, we're going to like do this. I'm going to go back to doing this the way I want to do it. Cause mm-hmm. I was doing it sort of like the way people were telling me, like advising me to, mm-hmm. to grow it. And it just didn't fit. And I didn't, and I realized I was doing it the right way <laughs> for a while. <laughs> you know, like when you stop trusting, like how you're growing your business. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. Well, and everybody has like different ways that work for them. Maybe that works for some people, but it's like where your brand is such a big part of everything you do. It totally makes sense for you to like have control of that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I realized that after a little while, but um, <laughs> when I first transitioned to not having my own space or, or, or own warehouse, and we basically just had like a little office, um, I was like, what do I do here anymore? <laughs> like I didn't sew <laughs> and I'm like, I guess I sort of designed new designs, but a lot of it was emojis. So I didn't have to design those, you know? <laughs> and there's all this, like, I, I just had to find my place again in my company because um, it wasn't the same way it was when I was like sewing and I went, when I was like yeah. the face of it and when I was doing YouTube videos about it and stuff. So I feel like this um, past year, I've really got back to my roots and, I can see the response from that, you know, people really are digging it this time um, and they kind of understand the vision more, you know? Yeah, that's so cool. So what happened after you like, were like, okay, no more emojis, we're moving to this new warehouse. Mm -hmm. What did you do next? Like, what was your first big move? Um, The next, or yeah, the first big move was we did a Kickstarter. Okay. Um, And that was for this new collection called the Iconic Pillow Collection, which is uh, five pillows that look like vintage computers and like old technology. And that was something that I had like kind of an idea to do. Um, And then my girlfriend at the time was like, or I had like a, I basically wanted to revamp my company because I realized that what was happening with the emojis was that we were starting to try to compete on price and Mm -hmm. it was sort of becoming like a race to the bottom because you can get emoji pillows for like, you know, two fifty or something. Right. (laughs) So it just became like very, very clear that, okay, instead of going down with price, we need to go up with price Mm -hmm. and we need to become this premium thing. Like we once were, because Mm -hmm. when I started throw boy, we sold pillows for $29. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, we need to go back to that. We need to revamp. We need to get rid of all this stuff that sort of is more for like maybe really young people, you know? So like Mm -hmm. it started to kind of skew really young. And that just sort of happened because emojis got really popular or whatever. But then, uh, like I was saying, my girlfriend at the time was like, you need to focus on like one, one niche. And instead of trying to like revamp your company with like, oh, we're going to offer like 50 new kinds of pillows, everyone or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, cause my idea was to do a Kickstarter that was going to be for like a lot of different varieties of pillows. Mm. And so then I ended up saying, okay, cool. Well then I know this Apple crowd because I am that Apple crowd. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I was like, I'm going to do these because I really, really want one of these. And I think, I think I can market this really effectively and um so we did this kickstarter uh where 
it was the goal was 10 grand and we we raised a little shy of 80 grand so amazing i think that's how i found you i like found you on a blog or something they were talking about that kickstarter it's so awesome what do you think made it like so successful well i did a lot of research beforehand um I did a lot of basically like figuring out how to hack Kickstarter. Mm. Um, and I did not do that before. Like I had a Kickstarter back in like 2013 and that's when I was able to move from sewing everything to having everything mass produced. Mm. And then, so all of my chops after that were like in manufacturing. So I knew how to manufacture things. I knew how to like mass produce things and everything like that. So I had that. Um, what I needed was the funding to like, make this happen Mm -hmm. and so I did a lot of research of like basically how do you really like precision know how to make this kickstarter um, funded and then I started finding out that okay your goal when you do a kickstarter is not 30 days your goal is 48 hours Hmm. that's when you have that window of attention span where people are going to care and then once you're once you hit your goal within that 48 hours then all of a sudden people are going to start to have um, no apprehension to fund or to back your project. Cause they're like, Oh cool. It's like, I'm buying something now. I'm not mm. risking my money and I don't, you know, this isn't an if scenario anymore. And so what I did specifically uh, some of the techniques I did were I sort of reverse engineered where traffic came from certain other similar products on Kickstarter so I would go to other projects and I would look like I would look at like Apple watch stands or like other Apple accessories mm-hmm. or anything that like maybe seemed like it was in the same um, area of what I was going to what I was doing. And then I would find where they got their press from. And then I would oh. I made like a whole like a whole spreadsheet of all of the bloggers names and everything. And then I um took months to sort of like warm up to these people (laughs) yeah like I it was very very strategic and then basically uh when the time came when I had like maybe a little a month to go I hit them up and I was like hey I have this project I already had my page ready so I'm like you can check out this project here I think it's going to be really good for your blog and for your readers and then essentially I had all of them post commit to posting at the exact same time when wow. the, when it was going to wait go so live. you were you were like building the relationships ahead of time yeah how mm-hmm. were you doing that just through social media or social media through twitter just talking to them yeah. um and that's genius a- most people don't do that you know <laughs> what i mean like most people are like i'm gonna look this up and i'm gonna email all these people mm-hmm. but those like building the relationships that's huge. oh yeah it's su- it's a huge part of it and like um I think the one, the thing I learned besides that, um, well, yeah, besides knowing that press is going to get you like the traffic, that's Mm -hmm. a huge, and that's free. That's not Mm -hmm. like I'm paying for a Facebook ad and maybe I'll get a bunch of traffic that is literally free and they're looking for content all the time. So if you have Mm -hmm. something really cool that you want to show off on Kickstarter, you can use the press to, to make that happen. Mm -hmm. But what I also found out was um, that you have to prep your followers and your friends and family to know what you're working on before. And you have to make them feel like they're involved with Mm -hmm. coming up with this idea with you. 
you know, so I would like show like drawings of what I was working on. I would like get feedback, even though like I was probably way further along in the process and I actually had like pretty much the whole thing done. I was like letting them in Mm. and then letting them like think they created the idea. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Because I've seen so many people where it's just like, hey, everyone, I launched a Kickstarter today. Go <laughs> check it out. I'm like, what kicks? You didn't even talk about this. Like, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? And then, uh, and I've seen Kickstarters fail, like, for trying to ask for too much. And, like, you know, and I've seen all of that. And I, I just look at it now. Now that I sort of pulled back the curtain, I'm like, oh, my God, I could help so many people, mm-hmm. like, that don't know how to do this, for, like, well but they have good intentions you know mm-hmm. well and- I think a lot of people think that like kickstarter is like an easy way out you can just publish it and they'll promote it for it. you know what I mean oh yeah right <laughs> <laughs> I did a kickstarter like in I like I said in 2013 um and it was like down to the wire and and I remember being annoyed that they didn't feature it and I'm like why mm-hmm. would I why would they feature it like there's nothing <laughs> it's not even getting a lot of traffic you know mm-hmm. so yeah, I think that uh, you're right. People think that Kickstarter is going to like kind of be all the publicity you're going to need or, but I don't know. You have to come with your A game when you're going to put up a Kickstarter because it's, um, it lo- it's supposed to almost feel like it's a store, you know, but it also has to have a story behind it too. I don't think that you can just have it be like, here's a thing and buy it or whatever. But um but yeah, I, I get really like hyped when I talk about this because I'm just like, oh, this is so like, it's just so, so applicable to so many people that have a really great, you know, dream product idea. But I definitely see people doing it wrong. And I'm just like, yeah. Oh, well, and it feels like a lot of people think like they have an idea, but they have no way to fund it. And so that's like the end, you know, they, <laughs> right, they can't yeah. like figure out any way that they could make it work. Yeah. And I mean, I was talking to, I've talked to people who haven't even heard of Kickstarter, you know? And really? I'm like, yeah, like I, I started to explain it to a couple entrepreneurs and they're like, oh, you mean like GoFundMe? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, sort of like GoFundMe. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I think it's a, a super missed opportunity and it's just one of those things that like, People can totally do it. They just need to know how, you know? Yeah. Well, even in like, even if somebody just has a regular store or whatever, I think a lot of those same concepts could be applied to somebody with like a really unique product. You know what I mean? Like making those relationships with press and that's huge. I agree with you. Yeah. I think I've, um, after I sort of got my energy back after doing that marathon of Kickstarter, (laughs) I started to apply uh, some of those same techniques of like teasing products and things like that. And um, I'm actually working on a new um, product line that is going to be launched on Kickstarter in the fall. And I was like, I was sort of like half ready to do it, but then I was like, Oh wait, if I'm sort of like half ready to do it, I can start teasing it out. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, like, wait, is have... that those like little mini ones? Yeah. Yeah. They're oh my like, gosh. They're so phones. cute. So oh, cute. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, thank you. Yeah, I am uh, right now. I've been just sort of showing it on stories. And what I did uh, was I made an email list that was um, that's basically like it's going to be for the super early bird backers for the Kickstarter. So they'll be notified right when the Kickstarter goes live. And then we're going to have probably like 50 slots where somebody can get in at a discount. 
Mm. And uh, so I'm really just showing that over and over and over and like really kind of, um, you know, just repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. Cause like now we already have over 50 people signed up. And I think on the, the last time that I did it for my uh, Kickstarter, we had like maybe a hundred total. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, people really want this product. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, just really stressing that like, Hey, this is something I'm showing for you and you can get in on the ground floor if you, you know, if you sign up. And I mean, you know that you, you do a really good job showing. (laughs) No, but I feel like it's like, it's different when it's, you're giving some sort of like, it's almost building like, like not anxiety, eagerness. It's like, people are like so excited. They want this product product right now. So that exactly when you go live, they'll like jump on it. Yeah, exactly. And like really stressing that, um, it's, it's for you like Uh there's there's something in it for you it's not it's not just me it's not just like oh I want you to give me your money it's like no it's twisting it the other way it's like no this is for you you're gonna get a discount you're gonna be able to know about it first yes um and all of these like incentives yeah and uh and then I think also from the kickstarter perspective I learned just like repetition you Mm -hmm. know like because and I think one of the things I love that you said is your followers can't get enough of you. Mm-hmm. And that is like super true. I didn't think of it in that way. But um, when I was doing my Kickstarter uh, last year, I was like, I am just going to like annoy them. Like, <laughs> and I, and I, and I tried to, I made it into like a positive way. I was like, I'm just going to annoy the crap out of them with this thing until they see it. Yeah. I'm going to like break down the algorithm until they actually <laughs> see it. Because like, there's no way the algorithm is just going to put a wall of your stuff, oh, you no. know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was like, whatever, I'm going to just show it and show it and show it. And then um, I remember talking to my friend and I was like, oh yeah, you're probably, I mean, you're my, my good friend. So you're probably annoyed. You've seen it. You've probably seen my Kickstarter post a million times. He's like, actually come to think of it. I've probably seen it like once or twice. And I was like, That's he's so like, great. really? The only person you're annoying is probably yourself. Cause you're going to be <laughs> the one that has to post about it, write about it over and over and over. Yeah. Well, and that's the problem when we like think we're that everybody's seeing it every single time. No way is everyone seeing it every single time or even like 10% of the time. Yeah. It's super true. And like, um, when you kind of realize that and realize that there's literally like no, there's no technological way that can actually happen. You're good. You know? And like you said, the way that you put it, that they can't get enough of you. That's a more kind of like a nice way to think about it. Cause yeah, if you're, if your real fans or, fo- or followers are into it, they want to see more and more and more and more. Like, you know how many people want to see more about the pocket pillows that I've yeah. like only shown like <laughs> little pictures of it. And so, and they want to know like, you know, what are they made out of? Like, what does it feel like? All of these different things uh-huh. that you can't really like, oh, all right, cool. We're going to show it so much (laughs) right when it comes out, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think too, when people are like on the edge of their seats every single time, and even if they've bought something and they're seeing it over and over again, it still feels like, oh my gosh, like I bought that again. It's just that feeling of like belonging. Like, yeah, I bought that. It's so awesome. You know, it's like a proud thing when they see the repetition. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have people that will DM me sometimes and be like, like I bought, I like I pledged on the Kickstarter, you know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm always like really, I really try to highlight them, you know, and just mm-hmm. be like, you know, 
like you're one of our like favorite fans or whatever. <laughs> like, and I mean it too because yeah. it's just kind of like I this product wouldn't even have come out if if people didn't respond so well to it. And yeah. I believe in all the products that I make. I don't. I don't like to like even bother with things that I'm not like, Oh, this is going to be really good. And you're going to want to have it like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's not like some novelty thing. That's like, Oh yeah, this is cute or whatever. And I bought it, you know, when I was on the way to the party, it's like, no, I want it to be really good. So when people express, they take the time to like email me or DM me, I'm like, yo, like I'm really yeah. grateful. Like you don't have to take the time. Like, how often do, do people take the time to write a brand to tell them? Yeah. That? Yeah. (laughs) Never. I mean, if they, if they didn't know who the CEO was, I would say never like who just goes and like, you know, sends a message to Nordstrom. I'm so thankful for your products. (laughs) Like doesn't normally happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you don't, if you don't give them that accessibility, then yeah, they won't. And I think that's probably part of the thing is Kickstarter, just like them feeling like they were, that even brings it home more, you know, them feeling like they were actually part of what made it happen. Yeah. And that's a huge piece of when you're doing a Kickstarter is like, um, getting them to know that this is possible because of them, you know, Mm -hmm. like you, you put this together, but this is only the only reason this is a thing that's going to be real is because they're there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the best way to launch anything, even if you are like a established brand or whatever. Like, I think it's the best way to gauge like interest. It's the best way to like kind of almost like throw a party for it, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and yeah, that's how I feel. So why would you tell if a brand came to you and they were like, okay, I have this product I want to launch. What would you say the advantages are of like using Kickstarter over just launching it and making money immediately and not having to worry about hitting a goal? Well, I think that one, it puts a lot of attention on it, you know, for Mm -hmm. a reason. Mm -hmm. I think that if you're going to get press to cover it, press knows what Kickstarter is. Like they're okay with covering Mm -hmm. it if they don't really know you from Adam, like why would they send people to like possibly pre-order it off of you? You know, mm-hmm. if they don't know who you are they and do, you're, yeah. you know, like if you're trying to run your own little Kickstarter on your site, like it happens, but it, it might be iffy for them. There's to not the it. trust there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that you're able to really, yeah, kind of like I said, throw a party, like have mm-hmm. more fanfare around it. If it's this big sort of lead up, you know, where you literally have like a meter that's showing how much money that you're raising mm-hmm. for this product. Cause then people get really amped about it, you know? Yeah. And they're just like, Oh, whoa, they hit their goal. Oh wow. They're featured now. Oh wow. You know, like all of these things, all these accolades yeah. that you can get along the way, which you don't, there's no transparency when you just launch a product on your own website. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, you might be able to put a counter or something like that that says we only have this many left, but why do all that if you can do it through Kickstarter, you know? That's true. And I think people get like FOMO when they like see like all, you know, it's like the party element that you're talking about. It's like, ah, like I need it on this too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's that time where it's going to not be available. You know, there's that window Uh where you might not even take pre-orders because they're in production um, which, you know, that's a technique that you use. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to, to just, yeah, have it be this finite thing. That's like this big deal. And mm-hmm. that it's like a product that kind of you, you gave people 
a story behind. You gave people sort of like, uh, they get to see the research and development behind it. They get to mm-hmm. see the reason that you even came up with it. All that stuff, which might even sound like hokey or like, it's like, oh, here's a picture of my notebook drawings or whatever. Like all that stuff was sort of like, we've seen it. And if you follow Kickstarters, you've seen it a lot. You see there's a formula, but there's kind of a reason that there's a formula, you know, mm-hmm. like it's because it works. Yeah. Well, and it's like, Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, if there's a formula and it's working for people, then do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it feels like it's not as easy to just do the formula, obviously. Like it's like a mo- months of processes that you're talking about. Yeah. And that's the other thing I think most people um, are surprised that they hear when I'm like, no, you don't just like launch it. Like you have to have a lot of lead up and like you need to get really acquainted with who is going to talk about this um tell your fans tell your family about it mm-hmm. like all of these things um are, are part of like actually getting funding and not just getting funding but like really smashing your goal mm-hmm. you know like really hitting above and beyond the goal because there's no reason that you can't just set your mental goal to be like a hundred grand if you if your mm-hmm. real goal on the page is 10 grand you know yeah totally how do you like prepare for the actual launch period like you know what I mean is it freaking exhausting (laughs) it's funny when I listen to your podcast it's very relatable when you talk about launching your courses um I don't think that I gave myself that sort of like prep or pamper time (laughs) to be like (laughs) all right I'm just gonna like chill for like a week and then I'm gonna launch I wish I did um because I think I was just up until the the moment I hit the launch button, I was just like sweating bullets, you know, even though in my mind, I was very confident. I did everything that I could do to make it super solid. I had a really awesome video. I had all of these things. Um, And so, yeah, I don't think I've really gave myself that sort of prep time, but this time around, I think it's really important because you are after that point, you're like running a marathon. Mm -hmm. So if you don't let yourself rest, you know, a couple of days or something like that, which I loved when I heard you say that, I was like, I'm doing that. (laughs) That is a smart idea because I didn't do that. And I remember I felt exhausted afterwards. Yeah. Well, because you're doing the launch, but then also you have like the fulfillment after. It's not like with me, even when I'm done with a course, then I like sit back fatty style for two weeks. You like (laughs) have to then like go do the thing. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of little things in between that happen. Like, one of the things I, I need to put in my course is like, here's the, here's what to watch out for. Like mm-hmm. you get a lot of like vultures on you when you get featured on Kickstarter, oh, you get a really? lot of just really shady people DMing you and wanting to like piggyback off your success and wanting to like, like do dumb stuff. Like, Hey, if, if you feature my Kickstarter on your page, I'll feature it on my page. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, do people actually do that? That's the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and uh, other things like marketing agencies, like, ooh, we see that you, you're you super mm. featured now. We'll help you. And it's like, dude, I did it without yeah. a marketing agency. You don't think yeah. I know how to do the rest? And, um, and then you'll even see stuff like um, these companies that basically act as um, – I don't know what you would call it, like sort of a, a way to do a better Kickstarter survey. So when you're done with a Kickstarter, 
you need to send out a survey, which uh, basically allows you to get people's addresses, mm. uh, shipping addresses and what product they want shipped to them. Mm. Um, and so this other company, uh, a couple companies hit me up and they're like, uh, we actually have like a better survey system. And uh, when people are checking out or when people are filling it in, they can add uh, add on items too. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, what do you guys charge? And like, well, we take a percentage of the money you've already raised on Kickstarter. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, the money you had nothing to do with raising? Like, no. <laughs> so like, yeah, so there's a lot of these just like opportunists that will jump yeah. on you when you're doing your Kickstarter. Um, but then, yeah, when you get to the fulfillment side, it's really important to be super, super transparent, show a lot of videos, show a lot of photos of what you're doing, show, show you packing orders. Like you need people to understand that this is happening, but it's also like, um, it's also people doing it, you know, mm -hmm. it's not just like, cause a lot of Kickstarters are not done by humongous companies, you know? Mm -hmm. So like they want to know that, it, that they're getting their product, but like, being able to show like these behind the scenes uh, images and, and videos and stuff like that is like going to go a long way. Cause then people are really interested in like sharing it when they, when they actually do get their product. And then I can't stress enough, be on time. Like people pay to get your thing, like figure out the timeline and do it right. Like don't be a dick about yeah. it and just be like oh whatever like it's gonna be fine if I'm 10 months late yeah. which is very kickstarter <laughs> True. um okay so I love behind the seams and then also you say pillow fort right is like your headquarters yeah yeah the um the fans came up with the pillow fort is the oh I love thing. both just those like little branding touches I feel like your whole brand has like these nice little touch points that are like you know, the warm and fuzzy vibes of pillows. It extends out through your brand. So I love Thank that. You. Thank you. Thank you. Has there ever been a time that you were like, I'm over it. Like I'm going to get a day job in the 10 years that you've been doing it or 11 years, I guess. No, I, no, I, I haven't been to the point where I like, oh, I want to retire this and go mm -hmm. work for somebody. Although I have put into my head like what would it look like if I did have an exit strategy you know mm -hmm. and maybe put somebody else in charge but still owned you know part of the company or something like that um I feel like I'm at the point where it's been iterated to almost the the, the vision that I had a long time ago but there's still so much to do there's so much like endless possibilities of what you can do with the the brand so I'm like I don't I don't feel like I'm bored or tired or burnt out as long as yeah. I take care of myself and I don't like, you know, I don't make it seem like, Oh, this is life or death, you know, yeah. like it's fun and it's a really cool product. And I, and I light up when I see people get excited about it, you know, and uh, there's so many more people that don't know about it, you know? <laughs> so it's like all of those things wrapped up, make me invigorated about it. And I think finding passionate people that want to talk about the brand um, is also something that that really helps too so yeah I think uh, what I learned most was um, that I'm a creative person I'm a right brain person and I need to guard that and I can't just let myself just like get super burnt out on like mm. uh, like businessy details yeah. you know because mm. then I'll just like not want to participate and I think I did that a couple years ago, especially during the emoji pillow thing. And 
yeah, I just realized like, oh man, yeah, I need to protect my creativity and, and then, you know, at some point hire some passionate creative people to do, to build on top of that Mm -hmm. and not, um, yeah, not just be like, okay, well I'm, you know, this is the CEO role. So I guess I'm not going to have any time to do anything fun or cool or interesting. Cause like, that's not what I want. Like I, it's like I made this company so I'm not working a nine to five. I'm not going to restructure it for another nine to five, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's like a really good mindset. That's huge to say you've never wanted to throw in the towel. I feel like half the time I want to throw in the towel, but I'm not good at, I'm not good at like acting like it's not life or death. I always jump to death is the only possibility of an issue. So tell me about like hiring employees. Was that freaky? Like, you know, like getting people that you feel like, kind of are you know part of your brand was that scary bringing them on it was I mean I've definitely learned a lot um I've hired people that I were like amazing workers and I've hired people that kind of phoned it in you know Mm. and I had or they they come in really passionate and then maybe it just becomes like a job you know Mm -hmm. and one thing that you have to really be honest with yourself is like, well, no one's going to be as hyped and passionate as the leader of the company. You know, no one's going to be as like super gung ho. You can try, like you can do your best to, to uh, make people passionate. And there are definitely outliers that are going to be like, no, this is like the most important thing to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like I'm still learning to find those kinds of people. Uh, I definitely have a really strong team right now, but, um, but yeah, in the beginning, I think that I did some really good hires, but then I think later on I did some like mm, hires where I didn't vet them well enough, Mm. you know, where I was just like, kind of, I, I do believe like going with some kind of instinct is important, but I also think that in my personal experience, I want to hire people where I'm like, I want to see them like almost like hanging out with your friends. Like I want to be very like, cool, you're here and I'm here and like, we're going to have fun. And this is like, we have, we both have this goal in mind that we're going to do. And, uh, you know, that, that's a better working relationship than, okay, I'm just going to hire this person because someone told me that they're like the best, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe I wouldn't actually hang out with this guy or this girl or whatever, but you know, they're going to do a really, really good job, you know? And like, I just don't think that meshes well. And then you kind of create a weird culture in your Mm -hmm. business that it's just, it's just not, it's like, it's like having a friend group or a band or something, you know, Mm -hmm. everything has to click. And um, so that's kind of what I've experienced with bringing people on with where you're sort of like a solo entrepreneur in the beginning, and then you have to hire people to grow. Yeah. I mean, that, it makes sense. It's like, you don't want to hire somebody that all of a sudden you like, don't want to come into work because you don't like being around them. That's like right. going back to nine to five vibes. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're just like, oh man, I created that. Vibe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely one of those things that is constant learning. And, and I ask people about it. I'm like, oh, how did you hire this person? How did you know that they would still be you know, into it and such and such. But I tend to like hiring people that are not only um, passionate and, and into it and like will throw out ideas because they see all these cool things they can do uh, with the brand, but they're also um, 
like self starters and self like mm -hmm. motivators. And they're also very like, um, I can tell them, I can start to teach them and they're like, Oh wait, I get it. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, okay, awesome. Like I was probably going to teach you like 20 steps and you figured it out in two steps. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's kind of what I've experienced. Cool. Okay. Well, tell me what the absolute best part has been of throw boy. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would definitely say building the community around it. Um, it wouldn't even be what it is if people weren't so, I just feel like we're, they're in on this club, you know, mm -hmm. they're in on this thing that is not, um, the common thing, you know, it's not mm -hmm. like I started an apparel company or, or whatever, you know, it's, it's something that's not everybody's, uh, expecting. Mm -hmm. And so when people are into it and they're really like passionate about it and they show me their throwboy collections and everything, I'm like, that's so awesome. Like, that's yeah. so cool, you know, and that I can tap into that, that they're, um, excited to get the new ones, you know, and mm. all of that, it's really revolves around that. I mean, the company started as a gift, right? So it started mm. as like a place of like, giving and I'm True. like I always kind of come back to that because I, I I actually really like giving gifts <laughs> so like <laughs> I can't give away the, the pillows and I don't want to <laughs> but I want to make it feel like yeah this is something yeah. that's made for you you know yeah. and um so I would say like yeah the, growing the community seeing <laughs> seeing people where I I first saw them because their parent bought them one when they were like five and then now they're like 15. <laughs> That's cool. You know, yeah. uh, seeing people in my live, they're like, Oh, I still have the handmade one that I got when I was like in junior high or whatever. Like, that's really cool. It's insane. <laughs> the fact that they've, like, grown with you and stuck with you is saying huge things for your ability to, like, maintain that community. Thank you. Yeah. And I, and I really am grateful for it. And, um, and yeah, and, and listening to you, I, I think I kind of remembered, oh, yeah, this is what I used to do with um, my brand when the internet was kind of small. Mm. And I, and I kind of have come back to that where I'm like, all right, I'm going to be showing up and I'm going to be available and I'm going to be like talking on my live and I'm going to do mm. all this stuff. And you really see like an instant difference. In yeah, people, you know, totally. When it's easier for, I feel like for me, it's easier to serve when you're feeling that connection with your community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It like makes it more fulfilling. Okay. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody who wants to start a business, but is nervous to take that leap? Just do it. <laughs> um, you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. because it's always going to be easy to like, just come up with a thousand excuses and mm -hmm. put it off and like say that you don't have time, but at the same time you're like scrolling through Instagram and all this stuff. Like there's so many distractions that it's always going to feel like you don't have time. Set aside time, come up with sort of a plan but honestly hit the ground running and course correct along the way, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. um, or as somebody told me once, Minecraft it. When Minecraft <laughs> came out, it was like a total piece of crap. And it was like uh, the fans were really the ones that were like making it into what it is. Yeah. Or even Twitter. Twitter was like garbage when it came out. Mm -hmm. And like there was like very little you could do with it. And they sort of like listen to the way the community was working and community came up with hashtags the community came up with the at sign like mm. the at, you know at replying mm. and all that i think that 
it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be, you know, pretty much good enough. And mm-hmm. just put it out and um, you can change your logo. You can change your, yeah. you can change things along the way, you know, um, set it up for success, set it up with like a brand in mind, you know, or, or even if you are the brand um, so that, I don't know, try to envision what it's going to be like in a few years if you're doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, just be mindful and just do it like with all, with all you got, you know, that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. No, that, oh my gosh, that's so good. I feel like this, I could talk to you forever and I'm so excited for your course to come out because I'm going to take it because I have an idea of something I want to launch on Kickstarter. So tell everybody about like where to find you, where to find your personal account and the Throwboy account and website and all that good stuff. Sure. Um, so Throwboy is at throwboy.com. Um, and then we're just Throwboy everywhere. Throwboy on Instagram, um, Twitter, Facebook, um, which is T-H-R-O-W-B-O-Y, just like it's spelled, just like it sounds. And uh, my personal account on Instagram is Mr. Roberto Hoyos, R-O-B-E-R-T-O-H-O-Y-O-S. Um, and I'm starting to transition that to more of like a businessy coach type yes. of account. <laughs> I saw your bio today and I was like, yes. Uh, yeah, I literally changed it today after I'm like <laughs> on week two of your course course. So shout out to that. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you can find my, uh, personal website, uh, robertohoyos.com, R-O-B-E-R-T-O-H-O-Y-O-S.com. And there I have a few things like you can sign up for, uh, the email list that I'm going to be launching related to my course. Um, and you can see some of my public speaking there and yeah, that's basically where I am on the web. I'm very easy to find. So cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really fun to talk with you. Thank you. And thank you for inspiring me to do more of this sort of teaching and I love your content. So it was great talking to you. You're the best. Hey girl, welcome to Kinsco World, the online playground for boss babe entrepreneurs like you. Here in this realm, we're all about bringing your dream business to life. Let's get to it.